Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Fivoli, Staff Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. The subject of today's episode is actuaries working as board members. We will be speaking to three CIA members who have experience serving as board members on a variety of organizations outside of the actuarial profession. They will be sharing their experiences with us and providing some advice for CIA members who would like to follow a similar path. Joining me are Kevin Asseltine, Bill Chinnery, and Sharon Giffen. Thank you all for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. So to start off, we'll have each of you give us a very brief description of your career experiences as actuaries, and let's start with Kevin. Uh, Thanks, Chris. I qualified as an FSA FCIA in 1981. Spent the first 10 years of my life working as an actuary at London Life, mostly in the group life, group health, and pension arenas. After that, for 25 years, I spent most of my time in management consulting, most of that as a consulting pension actuary, but also consulting in life and health and asset management and all other aspects of HR management consulting, including communication, HR technology, performance management, compensation, etc. During the 25 years that I spent in management consulting, about 50% of my time was client-facing and about 50% of my time was operational on both sides of the matrix. I was a practice leader, retirement practice leader in the Toronto office of Towers Perrin for a number of years and then the geography leader for Canada. The last five to six years, I've been semi-retired and done a mix of project-based consulting, some teaching at Western, and some board work. Okay, Bill, how about you? Uh, Thanks, Chris. Uh, So my career is in two parts. The first 15 years, much like Kevin, I was a traditional pension actuary and working with some of the largest plans in Canada. And then the latter part of that 15 years, I started the investment consulting practice at Mercer. And I was really excited about investing. It was a lot more interesting than being a traditional actuary. And so I segued from that to the last part of my career, which was 20 years in the investment management business. And I worked uh, for one of the largest investment managers in the world, Barclays Global Investors. I actually had the opportunity to move to San Francisco and run our institutional business, which was the largest institutional business in the world for North America and South America. And then the latter part of my career, we got bought by BlackRock, and I moved back to Canada to be the CEO of BlackRock Canada. So that's uh, my career. Okay, and Sharon? Well, I started uh, my career about uh, 35 years ago. Can't even believe I can say that. Most of the time has been in individual life insurance. I've worked for direct and reinsurance companies, uh, large and small, stock and mutual. About 20 years ago, I joined... Canada's largest multinational fraternal benefit society. All of that time, primarily involved in individual product development, marketing, pricing, and such activities. But at my last employer, I started working also in the corporate actuarial area, became the chief actuary, subsequently chief financial officer. I was the CEO of our Canadian subsidiary and business unit and rounding out my career as Chief Risk Officer and Chief Compliance Officer. About four years ago, I left full-time employment. Since then, I've been doing a little bit of consulting. I served on the CIA's Board of Directors, 
and I've been adding insurance company boards along the way. Now I am on four insurance company boards, one in the mortgage insurance business, one in group annuities, health insurance, and PNC. Most recently, I've just been elected to the Society of Actuaries Board of Directors as well, and that is a pretty full slate as far as I'm concerned. Okay, that's great. So I did want to talk to all of you about the sort of organizations that you have done board work for, Sharon. You give us some of your experiences. Uh, Kevin, what things have you been involved in? Uh, Early in my career, most of my board involvement was around clients. When I was serving as a consulting actuary, retirement actuary, a lot of my uh, large clients, the work I was doing was Mostly on behalf of senior management, but frequently involved presentations to the board where things were going forward for approval, and that sort of piqued my interest in board work early on. I initially did a fair bit of board committee work internally at Towers Perrin. I was a member of the board committee that looked after principal promotion and subsequent to that our quality and audit committee globally. In addition to that, externally, I worked with a number of advisory boards, University of Western Ontario's Curriculum Advisory Board for the Actuarial Program. I served on the Actuarial Advisory Committee and chaired that for FISCO for a number of years. It was at that time PCO, and also on an industry committee that was sort of advisory for Revenue Canada taxation now CRA. Later on, I did some work in the not-for-profit charity section, principally was a sector chair for United Way GTA on the campaign side, and eventually on their speakers bureau for the board as well. Okay, and Bill, how about your experiences? So my experience is in three parts. First of all, on the professional side, I did two stints on the CIA board. Um, I don't know what I was thinking when I agreed to that. Then also I was uh, on the board of the Canadian Coalition for Good Governance, and then also the uh, Portfolio Management Association of Canada. On the not-for-profit side, I was chair of the Salvation Army $1.3 billion investment fund. Um, I was also on the Red Cross Pension Plan Fund. And then For profit boards, and I'm presently on all these three boards, I'm on the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan Board, I'm the chair of the Sun Life IRC for the institutional funds, and I'm on a venture capital fund as an advisor. Okay, and Sharon, did you have any other details you wanted to add? Well, I just thought I would mention that my first stint on a board was with an arts company, Opera Atelier, which does unique Baroque-based operas. Um, I got involved because I just absolutely loved what they did and uh, I felt like I could really contribute because what they struggled with was having financially literate individuals who were willing to to help them out. So I think that is, uh, you know, it's a great place to start because you can always get involved in something that you really love. And I would also say in how to get involved, there's also a pretty active search business out there because today boards are looking for more and more qualified and diversified skill sets to bring onto their boards. It's becoming fairly common. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned financial literacy. Uh, What other skills do actuaries have that would lend themselves to being successful uh, working on boards? It's Kevin. I think that we've already hit on the main one, the ability to recognize and assess and manage risk, which is 
part of all of our actuarial trainings is definitely a plus. But as Sharon said, the nature of our training lends itself to financial literacy, financial acumen. And for a number of boards, the finance committee, the audit committee is a very important role that the directors play in oversight. And certainly our knowledge of all things financial in that regard is helpful. For myself, working in the management consulting environment, I also had lots of experience with HR, manpower, cultural issues, etc. So I think actuaries are actually unique in that they can bring to the table both financial literacy and some experience with some of the what I would call softer issues that boards face around compensation, communication, et cetera. Bill, anything to add to that? Well, I just, I would highlight the risk from the standpoint, uh, for instance, if I look at teacher's pension plan, uh, when I joined three or four years ago, there was no risk committee. It was all embedded within actuarial and audit. And, And now it's a separate committee. So enterprise risk management, almost every company now is recognizing that that, you know, cybersecurity, it goes on and on and on. So that is really, I think, our trump card to get on some of these boards. And then in the pension business, the fact that we know the liabilities, and in my case, I've spent a lot of time on the asset side, those are areas where actuaries can play a big role. Sharon, anything to add to that? I would just add that in addition to the things that we know and we have good background in, I think our skill set as actuaries really also go to behaviors. It's making fact-based decisions, being able to ask probing and challenging questions without attacking the individual. Those are skills that are really important behavioral things for a board. And I will add, on the other hand, one thing we actuaries do have to do is remember to get out of the weeds, get out of the details. That's not the job of the board. That's the job of management. And that was perhaps for me a little bit in the early days, understanding that separation of roles. It's very important. This next question is for Bill and Sharon, because both of you have been on the CIA board of directors. I was just wondering, how does your experience with the CIA board compare to working with other boards outside of the profession? So um, I was on the board uh, prior to Sharon because I'm older than Sharon. (laughs) And so, as I said, did two stints. I guess that would be the first large board that I was involved in. And and I guess just the rudimentary blocking and tackling type of things like having certain procedural issues that you take back. And that's where I learned some of those fundamentals. So when I eventually took, and I guess we'll talk about it in a minute, the ICD course, I had already kind of understood many of the uh, aspects that would uh, go with uh, being on. So it was probably my first major board experience. And uh, on my side, I would say there are certainly similarities and differences. In similarities, I would say all boards are really struggling with trying to make sure that the board operates at that right strategic level while at the same time providing the appropriate amount of operational oversight. So it's, it's sort of separating and being really clear about roles in oversight versus um, what the ICD folks call insight or foresight. So it, it really is something that I think the CIA board is wrestling with and changing and has changed how they operate to get a little bit out of the operational stuff so that uh, that we don't spend so much time on details. Some differences too, though, um, 
in the CIA board, there's a rotating membership because a third of the board turns over every year. You get this fairly rapid turnover in the membership of the board. And that does mean that long-term strategies can struggle a little bit because the strategy is outlasting the people who set it in motion in the first place. And that's something that I don't think most corporate boards struggle with because turnover is much less rapid. In fact, I would say sometimes not quite rapid enough. So I'd say on balance, there are certainly things that I learned at the CIA that I can apply and things that I learned elsewhere that I applied at the CIA as well. Yeah, you mentioned the ICD designation, uh, and I think all of you have that designation. So I'm just wondering, can you tell us about that, about the organization, and maybe how it's helped you in your board activities? Uh, Let's start with Kevin again. Yeah, so uh, the ICD designation has two parts to complete. There's a director's education program currently offered through Rotman. And after that is successfully completed, the designation is actually granted through a two-tiered system where there's a written multiple choice exam and also a live case, like a real uh, board situation where you're assessed in terms of your ability to contribute to the board. As Bill already said, people who've had prior experience with boards or been in consulting and interacted with boards, I think would find that a lot of knowledge is not new, but it's very helpful to see it all in one spot. And also exposure to peers from different backgrounds was certainly helpful from my perspective because a board is really most successful when it is some of all of its parts. Everyone contributes, everyone is effective, and they all have their own skills, experience, and background to bring to that. I like the fact, and part of the reason I did it was because there is a continuing education requirement, just as there is for the FCIA designation. And in fact, post-graduating from the program and attaining my designation, I actually have worked on the board of the Institute of Corporate Directors in Canada, helping them with some of their networking and training events. The, the one thing that was particularly helpful to me, I didn't have a lot of experience with private boards, and I ended up early on taking on a lead external director role for a small family business that actually is in the business of providing pension administration software. So my career experience as an actuary was very helpful, but my time in the ICD program, particularly related to uh, non-public companies, was an eye-opener for me and also valuable experience to bring to that role. Bill, anything to add to that? Uh, Not much. I mean, I think Kevin uh, caught all the salient features, so uh, I don't have anything to add. Okay, Sharon, anything? I guess I would just add one more thing that, that I do think that depending upon your prior experience, The director's education program really broadened it out. For me, for example, I had really no public company exposure. really didn't have a deep appreciation for having shareholders and, and what that means. So that really helped me to prepare. And I would also say that the designation gives you a little bit of credibility just if you're trying to get started on boards. I do think that It helped me. My first external board was a public company, and I I can't imagine that I would have been selected quite as easily if I didn't have that uh, sort of academic credential along with my experience. 
Let's wrap up with a final question. Just want to know what advice you would have for actuaries who want to get involved doing board work. Is this something they can do while working as actuaries during their careers, or do you think it's better to wait until they're retired? And uh, what sort of organizations should actuaries look for uh, to serve on their boards? Kevin, we'll start with you. Many of the actuaries, particularly the consulting actuaries in the audience, may already be doing a lot of work with boards uh, today through their their client work or internally inside their organizations. And I found that quite helpful in developing my skills related to being a director and doing board work. If my experience is similar to anyone's, I actually was restricted from sitting on boards through my employment because it was viewed as being a conflict of interest. We did a lot of consulting to boards or uh, major corporations. And so I couldn't actually sit on a board uh, a public board, at least while I was employed. That notwithstanding, I think there's a lot of things that you should do. And particularly if you're interested in pursuing public boards later in life. As I alluded to earlier, I did a lot of outside board work in the not-for-profit or the uh, industry association. And I find that quite uh, useful to draw in my work now with uh, public and private boards. So I would say if you're interested in being involved, even if that's not till later in your career, there's a number of things you could do now to start building that skill set. Bill, any advice from your end? As Kevin says, when you're still working, do the professional boards, do the not-for-profit boards. Um, those are great. And as uh, Sharon said, I mean, some of the things that you love and are interested in, do that. And that will then get your resume up so that when you do retire. And that's when I started to go on for-profit boards. I think it's hard to go on for-profit boards for a variety of reasons. One of them, as Kevin says, the conflicts of interest, but also the time commitment. I think it's unfair to your employer unless you do something like Sharon did and was president of the CIA board. So I think you've got to realize. And then the ICD course we've all talked about, it's a necessary condition, but not a sufficient condition to get on boards, I think. Okay, Sharon, anything from you? I would just echo that, uh, that yeah, it's, it's really good to start early and get onto a, a board of a, something that you are passionate about. I guess the most important piece of advice, though, is if you're interested, tell people. And uh, that's where that networking skill will come in really, really handy, that you really need to let people know that's what you're interested in. I would also say seek advice from people who are on boards. Uh, those are great people to network with. Avoiding conflicts is uh, is critical, obviously, but uh, but I really don't think there's a lot of limitations in the kinds of boards that uh, that actuaries can add value. Again, it's that uh, just being very logical and fact-based thinking and financially literate uh, really can introduce you anywhere. Obviously, probably easier in the businesses that we know, insurance and pension even things like worker safety, investment, credit unions, banks. So there's lots and lots of opportunity to, to get started. Just let people know you're interested. This has been very informative. So I'd like to thank you all once again for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. Thanks very much, uh, Chris. It's been great. Thanks so much. All right. I'm Chris Fivoli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk. 